So we got to verse 21, if I'm not mistaken. In chapter 4 of Galatians. Sounds about right. Okay, yes, yes, that looks right. So David, would you read verses 21 to 27? Okay. Please. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Thank you. I have a cold. Okay. I'm quarantine. <laughs> okay. Did Any you want verse 27 as well? Yes, please. Okay. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. So what do you think of Paul's allegory? And, and keep in mind that in rabbinics of Paul's day, allegory was popular. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what was the section? Galatians 1? Galatians 4, 21 to 27. Okay. Well, I mean, certainly contrasting the the two ways of I mean there's the, the 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 way that we naturally want to do things humanly is to get in there well I, I do this myself you know kind of thing uh, as opposed to allowing God to um, to do what only he can do and to accept that we're incapable of, of doing this ourselves mm-hmm to the Jews, the law is the summation of their relationship with God. That is it. Mm-hmm. And he's saying mm-hmm. that leads to bondage, mm-hmm. which is shocking for a Jew. Mm-hmm. Shocking. How can, you, how can you say we're a slave to, bond, to, to the law? You know, the law yes. is it. Yes, yes. So he, he gets himself in deep with this letter and tries to pluck himself out of it in Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why he has all these killers on his tail. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, also, I recently uh, heard a sermon that um, it was actually on the, the, the Mary and Martha and uh, when Jesus was at their house and Martha was working and unhappy with, with Mary and he was actually bringing out that that was actually a very similar situation to this, where Martha was the, she was doing good things, mm-hmm. but she was but she was missing out on the relationship part, and that Jesus was saying that the relationship is what's important, mm-hmm. um, and that you know all these other following the rules, doing even doing good things are are fine and dandy, but if you're missing that relationship. 
then you've missed the whole thing. And, and the, um, I think the point has to be is that relationship is not engendered by us. That relationship is engendered by God, or it doesn't work. We, we can't mechanically make that relationship with God. It's something He has to create, and we respond to it. If you think about the actual story of Abraham and, and Sarah and um, Ishmael and uh, Hagar. Hagar, so he says uh, the one a child of the slave was born according to the flesh. That means he he decided to to have Hagar be his surrogate to have him give him a child, which worked. See, works work. <laughs> to a certain extent. <laughs> to a certain extent, right. And the other one, he had no power over. I mean, yes, they had sex, obviously. But he had no power to create a child out of that. And um, Sarah, in her very old age, Abraham, in his very old age, they had a son. And that was the child of the promise. That was a miracle child. There was no natural way that that could come about. And this, so Paul's likening this to the, the spiritual life. Right. There's no natural way yeah. that what, we can we can be saved. Yeah, what what God calls us to is impossible for us. I'd like to. Uh, uh, go ahead. No, that that was it. It's just okay. it's impossible for us. We just had, have to rely on Him then to work right. through us to actually make it possible. And I want to apply this now to a local situation that I'm not going to, because this is recorded, I don't want to state where and, and what. But it seems to me, in our in beyond salvation, in our daily lives, we cannot accomplish the enormous tasks that we need to by ourselves. And that when we try, we always fail. And that this is a time in our lives when we need to let God use us. Um, I'm going to tell a personal story. I walked out of colloquium on Monday evening, about 5 o'clock. And I was walking to my car, which was parked some ways away. And I passed an individual who is not in my silo. I'll just put it that way. Uh, he's in another silo on campus. And he was looking at his phone while he was walking. <clears throat> and normally when a person's looking at their phone and head down and they're walking along, I just go past them. I don't interrupt them. But somehow something prompted me to say something, and the words were right there. I knew exactly what I should say to this person. And I said, and I gave his name, I said, thank you so much for all you do for PUC, for this campus. And then I said, I've noticed ever since you took the lead of your department that things have been better. And he looked at me, and I could see the weariness in his face. He said, thank you. This has been a very hard day, a very hard week, a very hard summer.
And I went on my way thinking, you know, I could have just easily walked by him. The next morning, 5.45 in the morning, he wrote me an email. And he said, you don't know how much that meant. It really helped sustain me and pull me up. And I was like, you know, I wrote back and said, you know, it wasn't me. <laughs> it had to be God because I normally would walk by someone with their head down on the phone. But I said, I felt prompted to tell that to you. And it was just, I could feel the awe and the energy and all of that. And, and think, what if, what if we, all of us, let God use us in that way? We wouldn't have to be performing it. <laughs> we wouldn't have to be trying to make it happen. I, I can't resist sharing that because I've been really thinking about a lot about that. Because um, I'll tell you another personal story. For the first 10 years of teaching, I walked out of almost every class feeling like a failure. I really did. And finally, about 10 years ago, <laughs> maybe, I've been here a while, <laughs> about 10, maybe 12 years ago, I'd, I I had kept realizing this, but I just hadn't really decided anything on it. It would just flash through my head, and I'd go, yeah. But I finally did inventory, and I said, you know, Jean, this is not about you. This is about God and what he can do through you. And I, I decided from now on I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it totally different. I'm not going to perform anymore. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just going to go in the classroom and, let, and just rely on God. And just let him carry it it's on, on you. And it totally transformed my teaching. It totally set me free from that feeling of discouragement and, and like I had failed. Um, and I remember this one particular class. It was an Encountering Jesus class. I had a really bad night. I hadn't slept well all night. And I was I felt totally thrashed the next morning. And I was like, Okay, God, I can't I can't do this today. You're gonna have to come through. I can't teach this class. Please teach it for me. And he really did. I mean I felt like I was sitting on the front row watching him teach. Because I suddenly had just loads of energy, and I knew exactly what to say, and, and it was terribly applicable to their lives, and the students were just spellbound. It was just an incredible class, one of the most incredible I've ever taught. And I was like, you know, in my total weakness, <laughs> he was my strength, and he came through. And uh, I just think what a difference that could make if everybody... And the Adventist church lived that way, where we let God, we really let God take over. Um, kind of like Morris Venden used to teach, you know, the, taking, the, taking the wheel. He used to, he had a sermon on that. I've experienced what you're talking about, 
would you consider that like a high mountaintop moment? And the reason why I ask that is because how do we learn to live that way and surrender? That's my goal this year. And know that they're not always going to be high mountaintops. Right. But that doesn't mean I'm not surrendering. Because we, it wouldn't. It would get, put us on a really ego trip to, if we were always, if we were always on a high mountaintop. Yeah. That's true. It's only peak times that we notice this. But it doesn't mean that we're it doesn't not mean surrendering. It's, exactly. And, and it, that we're not going to have some awesome class. And it doesn't mean that students <laughs> aren't being transformed by it. Yeah. So that that's the hard part, I think, for me, because I start doubting. And I think I think that's that's the challenge yeah. for me this year. That's my commitment this year, is to ask God to take every class to to take control. And that's going to be a challenge because I get so absorbed and so busy that I forget to say that. Or you forget to say that. that. Yeah. When to you say remember that. to pray it for yourself, can you mention my name too? <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the irony in all of this is that God already answers those prayers, and God already does His part. But He literally wants us to do the asking because then we're like connected with the Him and with that experience. And because if we forget, then yeah. He's already did my part, but you missed it because, because you didn't like engage in it. Because God is not a micromanager. I mean, this could easily turn into a micromanager type thing right. in our psychs, but God is not a micromanager. We have to cooperate. There has to it has to be a two way street, but it's a, re, a a cooperation of reliance rather than managing managing God and using Him. Right. He uses us. That's a very interesting journey. Like. I struggle with that a lot because I want those mountaintop things are awesome and they I are. love them. Yes. <laughs> you know you you say it in teaching, well I say it in, in But I can't I know, can't like tell I you see it like, oh my word, that where did that come from? Like I'm yeah. hearing myself, you know, like I know it's God talking through me. It's like wow. Yeah. And well, well, Susan, like I want that all the time. <laughs> yeah, Susan, I have lately had it more often. I can't say yeah. all the time, but I've had it more often when I'm the most pressured, the most stressed because of all the, the things I have to do with my parents. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like I get these divine appointments with people I never see. I, you know, and and what we talk about is very important. Things like that. Little encounters, but it, there's there's weeks that go by where I don't have any of those peak experiences. Um, it's maybe they're there, but we just get oblivious to them. And, and I think so. When especially when they're not pronounced, it, but they're there. And I think a lot of times in my classroom, students are far more affected than I realize. You know, I'm I'm caught up in teaching. I'm caught up in the topic. Uh, I don't realize what the Spirit is doing out there. But that doesn't mean he's not working. Right. I know on my chalkboard right now I have my little saying is God is always working. Right, because there's, there's, there's two, two halves of that equation. Is not only mm-hmm. can God affect what 
you say, but he can affect what they hear. Exactly. Right. Uh, and the way they hear it and the making connections and whatever that... Um, that you know that can be a very as long powerful as thing. On their cell phone or laptop, then there's the opportunity. <laughs> That's yeah. So I like to think of this as not just salvation in a separate box from my life. I like to think of it as the principle of life across the board: salvation, um, how I live my life daily, um, and and what I have to emphasize is that once I let God start using me in the classroom, and I stopped performing. It set me free. I had been a slave. Mm. It's what, in surrender. Yeah. yeah. But I think one thing you just said there is, is really key about, uh, and I think one of the things that has really been a, a problem within Christianity for centuries um, and especially today, though, um, of, of compartmentalizing our lives. And so then you know, our salvation or our relationship with God is this one little area over here, but then we've got all the rest of our life over here. And so the, you know, the, the, the sacred and the daily are two completely separate things that have no relationship to each other. And the, as you read through the, the Bible, you're seeing God say, no, it, it's, it's all sacred. It's all one big thing. It's oh. all connected together, yeah. and you can't just have this one. If, 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 if your relationship with God is only affecting just one little part of your life, you may not really have a real connection with God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that... Um, and that it's only when you let it go everywhere that you really end up having that relationship with God that is salvific. Yeah. Um, our relationship with God is really pretty poor uh, normally. Our, our relationship with God consists of asking Him for things. Mm-hmm. And, and He wants us to do that. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is mostly imperatives. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Uh, Lead us not into temptation. Those are all imperatives. We're commanding God, (laughs) as it were. And so God wants us to pray. He wants to ask Him for things or even demand Him for things. But... But in any relationship, like with a friend or with a child or, you know, whatever, if... If the only thing you ever got out of any time you talked to them was they were asking or demanding things of you, is that really a relationship? That, well, first, is it really a relationship? And how often are you really going to want to spend any time with that individual? How can you spend time with them? Exactly. And so there has to because, be... Because usually what we do is we say, in Jesus' name, amen, and we're gone. Right. Yeah, you don't even, you're not even waiting... Or giving an opportunity to stop and listen and say, well, okay, well, what does God have to say for me? And I think, um, you know, prayer is something that we still don't really understand how it works or, you know, um, and I think on one level is that when we do ask for that, then we're giving, opening a portal 
somehow within this cosmic war for God to actually step in and do something that he wants to do, but that Satan kept saying, well, you have no no right to do this, and then until mm-hmm. we ask, then God can say, okay, well, no, they asked, now I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. Um, but more than that is, I think, um, the fact that prayer, the best description I've heard of it, is it has that the more important purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we want Him to do, but to actually bring us into alignment with what God is yeah. already mm-hmm. doing. Um, and to change us and our way of seeing things and that that is the larger purpose uh, of it. There's two statements that come to my mind on that. Prayer does not bring God down to us. It brings Mm -hmm. us up to God. Mm -hmm. And the other one is prayer is conversation with God as a friend. You put it so well with friendship. You know, how long would our friends be our friends (laughs) if all we did was ask them for things? They want conversation. Walking and talking. I had an unexpected experience one time in the back 40. Actually, I was just walking the road past the airport on a Sabbath morning. And I I was praying, and I asked, I asked Jesus to hold my hand, and I held my hand out like this. And a person whose name I won't mention came walking the opposite direction and he greeted both of us and I was like wait (laughs) I'm by myself or am I (laughs) how was the greeting I can't remember the precise words but it was obvious that he was it was plural it was it was some way that indicated there was another person and I was just blown away because I hadn't at all anticipated that (laughs) So be careful what you ask for. No, um. I had something so weird happen yesterday. I was working on my syllabus, tidying things up and going through, and and um, I printed it out, and then I'd moved on to another one, and I came back to cut and paste some things, and then I noticed that like all of these changes that I had made, these corrections I'd made were completely gone and I thought I must be going mad I know I did that I know I did that and I was just it was so freaky weird because I had made these changes uh, I'd, I'd been saving it. it it just wasn't there uh, and so I had to go back and do these little you know tiny little points in the schedule it's so frustrating when that happens and discovered that I had made what would be a, a major boo-boo in the structure and I forced and I, I had to go and switch something out and I realized that would have been a terrible mistake mm-hmm. so I praise God I feel like even though I physically made all those changes um, by forcing me to go back and do it again I discovered something that would have just been as embarrassing so I feel like I was like, ooh. <laughs> Somebody was watching over me. <laughs> Even though I sat there for like four hours or something, five hours, and was just working so hard. But yeah, I praise God because he was just looking out for me and the, and the students, the class and everything. 
Wow, that's huge. Yeah. Talk about praise God and everything or thank God and everything. Yes. Like, we don't know. You know, I, I have I have lost documents and stuff like that and I, I in the past I have thought, you know, maybe I can make this better. Maybe that's why I lost <laughs> this. So I'll make it better. <laughs> this is usually in writing, you know. Right. Um, You're uh, your story of uh, walking up uh, and holding hands with Jesus um, actually reminded me, I've, I've heard the story a couple times, and I'm trying to remember which, who, which pastor it is that tells it, but about a friend of his who was on his deathbed, really. It was very, it, but it was for it been It for was a Bra- Brandon Manning. That could be. The, the, I believe the, it was Brandon yeah, Manning the, that the, said that. Yeah, um, and uh, how... When he would come in, there, there was always a chair sitting right next mm-hmm. to the bed, and anyway, and he was asking you well, what. And it turns out he was saying, "Well, the, you know, this that's the Jesus's chair, and you know, we just have our conversations, and you know, we we talk, and that's you know, as during these weeks as he was getting um, more ill, and then the, the morning when they found him that he had passed away, he'd actually kind of crawled half out of bed, mm-hmm. and his head was in the chair like it was in the lap and yeah. just how how real that was for him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I just think that you know that that is I think what God wants for each of us to have something that's that real yeah. um, and I hope someday to get to that point yeah, yeah. and and the goal is to really do it like Enoch, walk and talk with God. I'm still a long ways from that. But it, I really, this year, I want to be intentional about letting God use me more fully. And it's the only way forward, Jane. It is, and I'm tempted to write, you can pray about this, I'm tempted to write my story that I've shared this morning to the President. Because I, I would love it to spread throughout campus. Not as a dictum, not as a performance thing, but as a, just as an opportunity. I think you should do that. Yeah, I just been... don't put in my part about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I could say my loosely my friends of all are also experiencing this, right? From Australia. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have two faculty members from Australia now. So then they'll never be able to figure out. <laughs> yeah. I'm from Michigan. So. I would say that the struggle is, at least for me, isn't what you described about the secular and the religious, or not the spiritual. Right. And, um, and how we are. We are in our physical bodies, living in a physical world, and yet we have our souls and who we are, which is more of a spiritual experience, you know? <laughs> and so I think that's where I sometimes get stuck on and or tripped up with, or how do they... It's all connected. How, do, how does it how integrate? Does it, how does it really integrate? Um, and... I think it's just experiential and relational, and that's not something that is, it's not like I can pick this up kind of thing. It's like, it's like what's happening right now, 
the interaction, the energy that's happening here? Mm-hmm. How, how do you how do you describe that, or how um, do you um, a model? Make it? <laughs> I, I think of a model in Brainstorm. Brainstorm was written by a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. He talks about how we either are in chaos or rigidity. Mm-hmm. We tend to swing between those two, and that the goal of maturity is integration. Mm-hmm. And for me, that helps me a little bit. That that when we talk about the the sacred taking over the profane and, and completely imbe- encompassing it, we're talking about that integration where we've left the law rigidity and we've left chaos just free for all and we are actually living in harmony with God because rigidity is where we tend to go when we try to do it God's way we tend the the law side mm-hmm. but integration is that holism that um, that where God becomes everything and permeates everything it's very hard to put into words it's very hard I also think it has to do with control or the illusion of control Mm -hmm. and surrender well rigidity (laughs) is control (laughs) right it's control but it's that's been like my theme recently in, in trying to understand and understanding better I've never had control you know I thought I did you know as a person, as a parent, you know, just everything. It's like, even when they're infants, like, I think I'm in control because I'm providing their needs. But really, they're their own person. They're their own I'm learning, person. I'm learning this. And everyone's their own person. I have control over nothing. Yeah. I'm learning this All the I hard way. I'm, I never have been a parent, so I'm now learning it by reverse... Um, Relationship or what do we call it? Reverse, reverse roles. Reverse roles. Reversal, right. With yeah. with my parents, parents, I go yeah. down there every Friday, mm-hmm. and I never know what I'm going to find and what I'm going to have to do. Yeah. And when I end up there, and one thing leads to another, and before I know it, I'm there till I've been there five hours. You know, just trying to take care of things. And it's like the only thing I can do actually is surrender. Hmm. Is making that choice to, okay, like God, and it's not a giving up, it's not a, it's, I think there's a certain way, because there can be this like hopelessness type of surrender, I don't think that's surrender. That's that's but a little more chaos. That's something and, else. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, um, there's more of an intentional, God, you, you get this, you do this through me or I mean I don't know it's just so hard to yeah well there's it's it's this balance between because on the one hand God doesn't want us to just be marionettes where uh, or or, you know robots that that have that he's given us principles he's given us interests he's given it whatever and it's like okay go out there and create and do and you know, whatever and so we've got these kind of more general guidelines and sometimes we get paralyzed you know waiting okay god well should you know both of you know there's these two different things and should i do this or right, this and, right. and you get paralyzed and not do anything and it's like well okay we'll just take your best guess and go you know but that you know just like with a, a sailboat you, you can't steer it if it's not moving um yeah. and that if it's just sitting there, the rudder does nothing. Right. Um, oh, that's a good one. And uh, 
but one thing you were saying as far as this balance I was just been as I've been sitting here maybe one of the things that could help us depends on how we actually look at ourselves do we view ourselves as being primarily a physical being that has a spiritual component or are we primarily spiritual beings that have a physical component to us um, and mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, that maybe that that if we look at it from the other that that would make it easier to uh, to integrate the the whole thing um, but but that rigidity that you're talking about of getting back into the rules keeps coming back to, uh, from what I can see, and in my own life and in others, is when the relationship with God is not not at full strength or even completely missing, that's when I head into the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the back and the well, yeah, well, the, <laughs> but the thing is, my own in my own way of thinking, that's not the backup. That's that's the way. It's the default. You know, that's yeah. yeah it's the this, default. Yeah, that that that's yeah. just and it's and it's I have to be in the relationship with God to continually reminding that you certainly not saying that you shouldn't do these things, but yeah, but why are you doing it and to what extent? I mean, if. Or what's the reason behind doing it? Well, yeah. it, it, exactly. And so uh, it could be because I just want to look good in the eyes of everybody around me, or because I'm just going to prove that I could do this on my own, or um, there any number of reasons, um, most of which tend to be self-serving. Um, or is it because you're just tired of trying to struggle with the other, and the default is, okay, I'm just going to go to church because it's out of without thinking more about the relationship reason of Sabbath. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think I get kind of tired, and I and it feels okay to fall back on the default. <laughs> because can I always have these conversations and stay in that place? Or do I, I get exhausted too? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's hard to always stay there. Is there is always the point of coming apart and resting a while. And just letting it be. Yeah. That's again, know, totally again, Susan. I'm wondering if that's no, another. No, no, Susan, we can't make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> See, it always comes back to actually the simple. Uh-huh. We can't make it happen. It happens because God is there. And the simple is allowing. Yeah. But I think also I, just... Oh, go ahead. I have had nights... For one reason or another, emotional issues, struggling with whatever life has handed me. I have had times at night where I have fallen asleep and it felt like I was in Jesus' arms. And I mean, not that I physically felt it, but it was just that experience of feeling like I was in his arms. And... And that was a restful state. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. I, there wasn't nothing I had to do except yeah. lie there and sleep. <laughs> Um, but actually, I was just thinking that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> For me, it's about where do I find my security? Where do I feel safe and secure? Do I get that in myself, right? Or do I find it through my faith in Christ and what 
he's done on my behalf and what and I enter into that and if I substitute the word um, power for this idea of having control over things mm-hmm. I say well do I have power in myself well yes to a limited extent um, and Jesus he was you know was God but he divulged himself of power when he became human so he understands that vulnerability, that tiredness, that that everything that we experience. Mm -hmm. But ultimately I recognize that all power is in God. Mm -hmm. And God is willing to share that power. So through my relationship with God, I'm trying to take this the wrong way, but I become powerful. Mm -hmm. And that kind of power is a power of love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a it's something that is shared, it's given, it flows through me. Mm -hmm. So it's not about control, it's about power and how God's power operates. Because control is is, the opposite of what God is and what he wants to do. So, Can we say empowerment? Mm -hmm. Because power, power over is control and power under. I'm using Greg Boyd's terms now. Uh, is empowerment. It's, mm-hmm. it's enabling. It's, and I know enabling is misused in a bad way, but um, it's it's support. It's God shares and, His power. Yeah, it's sharing. Yeah. Yeah, and the more we surrender, actually, the more powerful we become. Yeah, exactly. It's a paradox. But it's not ultimately about us. It's the it's the ground of our life. Mm-hmm. It's what we touch. Yeah. No, it, well, actually, what you were saying actually dovetails yeah. in really nicely with what I was going to say as far as this idea of looking to where is your power or where is your salvation. And um, when we concentrate on just trying to go through the rules or whatever, the Ten Commandments can become an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look to just, okay, as long as I can tick off all the boxes, um, then this is going to get me through. Well, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we can even turn the entire Bible in, into an, an idol. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that actually is kind of what's happening in the bigger picture of Galatians. Um, as far as they're getting into this fight as to, well, do you have to be circumcised? Do you not have to be circumcised? Do you have to follow these rules? Do you not have to follow... How, where do the rules fit in this whole process? And they're missing the, the whole relationship part of things. And that... I think that when we get into these instances where we're fighting over interpretations of what the Bible does or doesn't say, it's typically because we've lost sight of the relationship aspect of of this whole process. And that rather we see the Bible as being the end in and of itself, as opposed to being the document through which God has chosen to reveal himself. And that God is actually the end product, mm-hmm. not what the individual words or whatever may be within the Bible. It, it, and I'm going to press that point a little farther. I loved what Morris Venden used to do and what he used to say. Um, and I believed it. But it always troubled me that we were spending more time talking about a relationship than talking about God, who is the end point of that relationship. 
Uh, and, and it struck me, Katrina, while you were speaking, that how we see God is so much a part of this, whether we can have a relationship with Him or not. If we don't see Him as compassionate and merciful right. when we're down, when we're struggling, we're going to pull away from Him rather than run to Him for mercy and, and support and power and all those things and love. Well, I, I kind of think that's why he gave the Ten Commandments, because he knew that their view of God was, they, did they even have a view of God? Whatever it was. So he gave them something. They of, were in chaos. Their gods right. their gods were both rigid, rigid, a little bit rigid, in terms of con, you know, playing hard to get and, and demanding certain things. And, Capricious. So Capricious, tried, right. They were simple. chaos. They were in a chaos mode, and so to put them in rigidity at least was a little safer, <laughs> hopefully, than to begin to swing them right. to integration. Right, and to say stuff like, thou shalt not kill, it's like, just, just don't do this, because you're going to, just within right. your own relationship, so that you can, like, be at peace with each other, mm-hmm. instead of trying to explain what we're trying to come up with right now. All right, really the Ten Commandments, the, it wasn't so much about <laughs> rules as about lifestyle, about about how to live with your neighbor. Right. But we, what happened is when they had to give up the temple, which they worshipped, right. and they had they had moved to Babylon, they became people of the book. They substituted this book, and it became law, totally law. We are always swinging back and forth. <laughs> We've never, it's yeah. Because when the pendulum stops, we're out of control. You're right. That's why death is so fearful. Mm-hmm. It's because of the loss of control. It's the absolute trust in God mm-hmm. that He has my salvation secure. We have to have a prayer, Kathleen. Yes. Gracious God, we thank you that you hold us in your hands and that we are safe and secure in you and that we can trust you and that we can abide in your love we ask for this experience not just now and then but moment by moment in Jesus name Amen Amen. Thank you so much and I have to add one PS Sorry I keep building I have to add one P.S. I almost canceled this class last night because I had had such a hard day and such a hard week and I was not feeling well. Think what I would have missed. And God reminded me that my real energy is in Him. And guess what happened? Yay.